We asked ourselves a question this morning in song, didn't we? The statement we made was this, it is well with my soul. And I asked myself the question while standing at the front, you know, because the scripture said, if my heart does not condemn me, yeah? And I was able to say, it is well with my soul. I can live with me. And then I asked another question. Is my soul right this way? Lord, I can enter your presence because my soul and my walk is right with you. And then I asked another question. It is well with my soul this way. If I have an issue, put it right. Stop sulking. Get over your issues. Move on. Grow up. And let's bear some fruit. Amen? Let's have lives that are worth living rather than just pointing the finger as and when, and let's get on with it. So if we say, it is well with my soul, this way, this way, and this way. Is that all right? Amen. So let's come around the word this morning. This morning, I want to look at partnering with the word. Now, we've made a statement before. I have made a statement before that says this, don't bear with me, build with me. And I have felt over this last couple of weeks a real kind of check in my own spirit where I had to deal with my own issues, deal with my own life, see how I was lined up, and come to that place to say, my God, I need to build with you and not just bear with you. Is that all right? Pastor Tony has launched a prophetic scripture to us over this last few weeks from Jeremiah 3.14. I'll just quote it to you. It says, Return, O faithless sons, declares the Lord, for I am the master to you. And I will take one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds of my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. At this year of God's word, which is coming and being sent out, The word is this, that is God's righteous scepter is being extended from Zion. And this is the year of the selected arrow. Is that right? And we agree with that word, don't we? But you know, we're coming to something. We're in 2016. I know we're almost at the end of January. New year, new you. New year, new you. We've all made promises already, haven't we? No. So you've not made promises... You know this bit about it as well with my soul? We all make promises. We look in the mirror. We suck in sideways. We do something. We stick our shoulders back. We try that pair of jeans on after Christmas to see if they still fit. And we go, it's a new me. This year is going to be a new me. I'm going to be slicker. I'm going to be taller. I'm going to be thinner. I'm going to be everything that I can and can't be in your head. It's all possible. Is that right? We turn around and say, right, first thing. January the 1st, new diet. I've got the GI diet. I've got the low-carb diet. I've got the anti-inflammatory diet. I've got Weight Watchers. I've got Slimming World. I've got them all lined up, and I'm deciding what I'm going to put inside of me. And you know we make that comment, and fellas, you know where we stand, where she comes in and she says, does this dress make me look fat? No, the chips and chocolate make you look fat, love, but hey, let's work around it. 
it's not necessarily what we put in, it's what we take out that makes a difference. What are we leaving out? But in Matthew 4.4, it says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I say this in all sincerity. Pastor Tony only used the sentence last week, the statement last week, which is great. And he says, I am a mouth on. And it's true, isn't it? And we love him for it. It's what makes Pastor Tony what makes Pastor Tony. But let me tell you something about the nature of God. God does not do small talk. When was the last time God interrupted you with, have you heard the football score? When did he tap you on the shoulder and say, how was work today? When God speaks, every word he speaks carries weight. It carries purpose. It carries direction into it, doesn't it? Everything he says is important. Now, it tells you in Samuel that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Can I tell you something? We do not live in days of a rare word. We live in days of God's revelation, of his understanding, where God is looking to pull back the plaster and reveal himself to his people, not just corporately, but individually as well, where he says, I will be your God and you will be mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over me is love. He wants a personal encounter with you. But do you know what happens? Because it happens with me. I'll speak for me. I can't speak for you. I'll speak for me. How flippant I become with the word when it's delivered. For those of us this morning who turned up, were in the early morning prayer meeting, and Pastor Tony brought the Beatitudes. But he laughed, and how did he describe it first? Let's get to the bad attitudes. Sorry, I mean the Beatitudes. And he was saying how much this is missing from the life of church and from the life of a believer. And then we unfolded in prayer and we made some declarations, which was all great. But how many of us stood in that room when the man brought the word, did it hit you in the first place and you went, do you know what, this is changing me? Or was it just another word? Now, I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know. The issue is we become so familiar with the word that it ceases to have the impact that God desires when he speaks it from his throne. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When he speaks the word, something happens. Whether you see it or you don't see it, something happens happens. The centurion, when he meets Jesus, and he turns around and says, my servant is ill. Just say the word and they'll be healed. You don't even have to come. I understand authority. I understand principles that all you need to do is give a command and what you have commanded and declared from heaven will be done. Right, so there's four people at the front who actually agree with that. We are so used to having word, 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 that actually it doesn't bear fruit and produce anything in our lives. So we become so familiar with, well, it just doesn't happen. Maybe the problem I'm looking at is the problem I'm looking at. 
The word is declared, he speaks it from heaven to bring life to you. He has given me everything I need for life and godliness. But yeah, I've just become so familiar. I'm at one of those 18th, 21st weddings where I'm at a buffet. What do I fancy? A bit of sausage roll, those old school cheese and pickle or cheese and pineapple on a stick. I'll pick, I'll pick, I go in and I dip out. When God said, I'm not putting a buffet before you, I put before you a banqueting table and say, this is it, have your fill. But we walk in and we walk out. We walk in and we walk out and we pick the bits we want and we leave the stuff we don't want. I always have this kind of semi-discussion stroke man-woman argument with Ange. Man's perspective, woman's perspective. We're doing something, maybe like it's we're doing the Christmas meal, da-da-da, and Ange goes, right, now let's get sorted. So she's going, right, now do we start at the mains? We're not starting at the mains. Are we starting at the, the middle bit? No, Ange starts at, right, so we're going to need so many gattos, so many of this, so many... Ange, people don't want cake. I beg to differ, women always want cake. <laughs> so we have this kind of discussion... Right, Phil, you look after the savoury table, because savoury table is men. I'll look after this table, because this table is the dessert table that the ladies like. Is that not right? For those who's being honest, you want the cake, and the fellas will say, I'll have a bag of nuts and a bag of crisp. We want the savouries, the cake's there. But I come into God, and I pick and choose and say, I like that bit today, but I don't necessarily want that. So we gorge on one particular type of word that flicks my switch. And if it doesn't flick my switch, the rest of it holds no weight. Because I'm sat in church going, God has declared, is it savoury? I'm in. I'm in. It's a savoury word. Oh, it's chocolate. Leave that to the left-hand side of church. Because all them lot over there have all got a sweet tooth. This lot are all dieting. The bit in the middle have a bit of, of both. When the word comes, we choose the flavor as to whether we want it or not. But yet, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. David in Psalm 107 says this. He sent forth his word and he healed all of their diseases. All God needs to do is speak. But what I do is because I become familiar and flippant, God's just speaking and it washes over me because he's only talking to Elijah this morning. He's talking to Paul this morning. He's talking to Eric. I bet, if we're all honest, there's a time in our lives where you're sat in church and somebody's preaching or something's said or somebody gives a word. And the first thing you said is, if only Brian was here, that word is exactly what Brian needs. <laughs> Brian didn't need the word. I needed the word. But I'm already looking at which way I can palm it off. Where can somebody take responsibility for what he is declaring from heaven? Does that make sense? Do you know the word of God is so awesome that you know that heaven lives in God, God doesn't live in heaven. Yes? Because God existed before heaven. So if he didn't, where did he live? Okay. But God holds his word so much that heaven and earth 
do not even carry the same weight as one word he speaks. It tells you this in Jeremiah, no, so not Jeremiah, in uh, Luke 21. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. When he says it and puts his word out there, it's not unstoppable. Do you know that? His word is unstoppable. Now they tell you, I'm not a scientist, so I'm ready to be corrected on this, but they tell you that when a sound is declared, it has no end. It just goes. And it's just where the frequency will pick it up. It's loud here, but as I declare something, it just goes on and on and on. That is one of the reasons why when we make our declarations and we sow into the spirit world, what we don't see is still accomplishing something. Can I tell you how nutty you lot look? Because it's not me. It's how nutty you lot look. When we've had our building in the spirits and we've had the word of the Lord and we've taken the direction and God has declared to us, pray to the north, south, east and west and declare that this will come. So the nutty ones amongst us who actually believe him go, okay, right, where's, where's my compass? Where's north? By the way, it's that way. And people have stood and they're declaring one way that we turn to the south, the east, and the west, and we make our declarations. Now, to anybody, you look like a bunch of fruitcakes. Do you know that? But yet, that word is declared because you've taken the word and sown it back. There's many people sat in this room today or would be sat here that are the fruit of those words that were spoken. I feel it's called coincidence, really. Really. You have coincidence, I'll have God answers his word. For those of us who've been around long enough, we can tell you that this year, Pastor Tony, Carol, Andrew, myself, in November, have been here 30 years. And these people have been here longer than us. Right? Okay, we salute those who've been here longer than we have, who've walked the journey. But in that 30 years, before we made that declaration, do you realize that we had only ever seen two black faces in the Dream Center in all of those years? And then God said, this will not be, and I will not settle for, a white church. I want a kingdom expression. So to have a kingdom expression, we need the nations. So if we're going to have the nations, they better come because you know what? They're not all on Google, best places to find in Drolsden. I'm not sat in the Guatemala Republic and making a statement going, looking for a church in Drolsden. Can I find one? We make the declaration and whatever happens and what purpose God uses, he uses vehicles to bring people in to connect lives together. So we look and we make that declaration that says, this is a house of many nations. Good, bad, and indifferent. But do we live in a house of turmoil? Do we live in a house of friction? Do we live in a house where it's culture banging head against culture? We've got that what we declared and when we partnered with him, not only did God bring in what he said he would bring in, he brought it in with peace He brought it in in unity. Does it have its moments? Just letting you know, you have your moments. The same way I have my moments. 
And if you're Iranian, you have lots of moments. But we have our moments. But the word, when it's shared and when it's put out, will accomplish what he says it's going to do. But I need to tell you this. Why did we put this stuff together this week? I put it together specifically for one reason. If you can, and I can, learn to partner with his word when it comes, it will transform your life. I heard a statement last year, which I thought, I agree with this, so I'll put it in Phil's memory bank of statements that can be used. People don't want to be told what to do, but they want to be told how they can change. And when God brings his word to you, He doesn't just come and go, you flipping scuffer, Veronica. (laughs) Veronica, you're a scuffer. He doesn't come to beat down. Even the word this morning, it is well with my soul. He's working away. He's removing some things to putting something else better. But how he does that is through the revealing of his word. His word starts to speak to me on the inside. And as it speaks to me, I see the weight of importance. I start to agree with it. And it starts to change me internally. And as it changes me internally, I express that externally. Conversation I was having with my good lady yesterday. We was going out for the day, doing a few bits and bobs. And we were talking about people. Not kind of gossiping about people. We were talking about people and patterns. And one of those things was... Have you noticed, oh, this person's quite nice and they've got a lot to say and blah, blah, blah. And you're talking how easy people are to be around. So I then, pardon the pun, played devil's advocate. And how I played devil's advocate and turned it around, pointy stick moment, authentic, turned it around and said this. The people that you're expressing are easy to get around, blah, blah, blah. Have they always been easy to get around? Well, not really. Have they always been easy to get on with? Well, not necessarily. Right, so what is the difference? So when you look at the change, you found this. When a person is walking with God and looking to build the Christ, it's amazing how easy they are to like. (laughs) Myself included. You think the nice Phil... He's hard to get on with. You should have tried the old Phil. <laughs> you should have tried the not nice Phil. If you got the not nice Phil, you know exactly where I'm coming from. But when we're talking, we're building lives. As God is working in the life of somebody else, it's amazing how pliable somebody else can be when you're talking. They're not just opinionated. It's not just this. We don't get all self-righteous and get caught in our own selves all the time, and the, the, I am the center of my own world. Things are different because the Christ life is being built on the inside. Jeremiah 15, 16 declares this. Love this verse, I've seen this week. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. When your word comes to me, it's my joy and my heart's delight. He doesn't just come to release his word that turns around, as we said, we've already dealt with Veronica's scuffiness. His word isn't coming to squash, to push down, to destroy. There are elements in our times when God shares a word that I don't like. 
Are there times when a word comes you don't like? Are there times when a word comes that you disagree with because you're out of season? It doesn't make him wrong. It makes me wrong. And I can do that bit of, I'll just stick my head in the sand or pretend it's not here. Have you ever had that situation, maybe some have, some haven't, where there's more month than there is money? Have you ever had it where there's more month than there is money? And then the gas bill drops through the door and you think, I'm not even opening that. That'll stay on the shelf till at least been paid. Because I'm miserable enough as it is without finding out that Mr. BT, Mr. British Gas, Mr. Eon, Mr. whatever name you put on it, that bill's dropped through the door. I am not going to face that today. I'll face it when I'm good and ready. Or is it just me? Is it us? And that's the same way when a word comes. A word comes and I go, I'm not quite ready for that yet. I'll leave it on the shelf. God, I've not dismissed you because what I'm going to do, I'm going to get a fridge magnet. And if I get a fridge magnet, I've not ignored you, but I'm just letting you know that every time I'm remembering New Year, New Me, and I open that fridge, I've kind of checked the word out. But you know when he says, and we said before, that the power of his word, he doesn't make small talk. This is how we have to see how big God is. So how do we find that out? Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3, declares this, and we all know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that bit, yes? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So in the beginning is the world. Yeah, we've got it. It's all there. God creates the heavens and the earth. And the world is formless, empty, and void. And the Holy Spirit is where? Hovering over the surface of the deep. One-third of the Trinity is already on location. And what can he do? Nothing. The Holy Ghost has no power to change anything until the Father says. And God said, let there be, and there was. Because the Holy Ghost then has power to interact with the word that is being spoken from heaven. We want to, at times, force God's arm, stick his arm up his back, plead with him, do something, sulk. If you do this, God, I won't be your friend. I've not talked to you for two weeks. Please, come on. We act like, you know, we've got one of them. It's called Ruby. She's three. I'm not going to be your friend. I'll sit in the corner. Right, Ruby, I won't be your friend. It's amazing how quick Ruby wants to come back when you don't want to be her friend. But we kind of go, I'm going to put God's arm up his back because I just won't be his friend. I just want to let you know, I've got eternity, you've got two weeks. How long do you think it's going to be that you're going to stay over there? Because you ain't going to win. But yet we have to see this, that when God the Father speaks, the Son forms and the Holy Spirit fills. So when God releases a word from heaven, the entire Trinity is backing it up. But even when something was in place, even when the foundation of the world has been set in motion, even when Christ dies before the foundation for man who's not yet even been formed, the Holy Ghost is ready to move 
He has no power or authority to do so until God says. And when he says, heaven and earth move. The entire trinity is backing it up. Now again, I've already told you before, my lack of schooling, I'm not a scientist. But if you've been doing any of this, uh, watching the stars over the last few weeks. Anybody watching the stars? No, I've not, but I saw it advertised. Watching the stars, you are told this. That our universe is forever expanding. It's like them pants you get at Christmas. You just get the ones with the elastic. Elasticated universe. It's ever expanding. And it just goes on and on and on. Because when God said, let there be light, and his word went out, there was no end to it. So the very word he spoke, where creation was concerned, is still creating today. Now, if God can just do that with space, let me ask you a basic question. Did Jesus Christ die for the moon? Did he die for Pluto? Did he die for the Milky Way? He died for you. So you have more value than the universe. Because there is nothing in the universe outside of mankind that God was willing to sacrifice his own son for. So if God can speak to the universe and it still has impact, how much more you and I when that word comes to you? Just pull your head up, top of your head off a second. Drop that one in, have a Monty Python moment and put it back on. When God and the universe is still expanding because he revealed his word, I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. He speaks his word into you. He transforms you. He changes you. He changes your nature. He builds the Christ. Everything is being established on the rock Christ Jesus. And in that, all has more weight than him saying, let there be light. Oh, you miserable bunch. All of creation is held in place today by the power of that word. And we kind of think that God couldn't give a monkeys about me and you. Do you know what it turns around and it tells us in the gospel, doesn't it? It says that, uh, that the sparrow doesn't worry about what it's going to eat or the flower, what it's going to wear. But we worry. Why do you worry? Creation already knows that when God sets something in motion, it's set in motion. Scripture also says all of creation waits in eager expectation for you and me to sort yourself out. That's the full translation. All of creation waits with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That when that word is revealed in me, and actually I believe and come into partnership with it, and I change, oh man, Lord, don't make me change. Weight Watchers was bad enough for six months, never mind changing nature. In all of those things, creation is waiting for me to understand the power of that spoken word. Let me ask you a question. We're allegedly, allegedly, believers, are we not? Are we not allegedly believers? It'd be dead easy if we say Christians, because we all get a sticker when we come in. But if we're going to be believers, where do we put our faith? Do we put our faith in the word of God, or do we put our faith 
in God of the word? Or do we put our faith in both? See, I can put my faith in the God of the word. Do you know why? Because it's impersonal. I can read it as a history book. God did this, he met with that person, he lived on a mountain, and he appeared there, and he was an angel, and then all the sheep came, and then the kings came, and it was gold, silver, frankincense, and it was walking on water, and wine at a wedding. It's all impersonal. I'm reading a story over there. But when that word of God comes to me, that word of God, which is Christ himself, comes to me, and wants to reveal the nature and character of God into my heart, suddenly things get bigger. Now, I've used this before, so bear with me. We are living in stingray times. You have to be of a certain age, sorry. In stingray, Jerry Anderson, it always used to start with, dun, 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 dun. music all played, stingray. But then they make this statement, anything can happen in the next half hour. Is there any Jerry Anderson buds with us? We're still here of a certain age. I don't know if Jerry Anderson ever reached Australia. doesn't matter. Stingray, you've missed out. But when you have that, it was that very thing that grabbed me as a kid. I can't remember the names of all the characters. Of course, you've got Troy Tempest and you've got Maria. That's it. I've got all of that. Scott, well, it's all right. Carry on. We don't have to throw them all out. <laughs> But the thing I remembered more than anything from being a kid growing up is the expectancy of anything can happen in the next half hour. The expectancy of when the God of the word becomes real to you on the inside, he speaks to you, you commune with him, that the whole thing you're starting to make work, do you realize how exciting life gets? Well, that means no then, because <laughs> he's only Chris who said yes. Do you realize how scary and exciting life gets? When I'm willing to partner with him in his word, when I'm willing to turn around and say, my God, this is what you said I can be, this is what you say I can do, that, Lord God, I might just be in the precincts and you tell me to do something, I might just go out and speak to Scufferbag Veronica over here, say, Veronica, and I put my hand on her, and she's ill, and all of a sudden, she's ill no more. But all the time, I'm fighting with that thing that says, just send forth your word. Can God heal? Yes. Does God heal? Yes. Will he heal you? Yes. Oh, ah, you see the tone then, does it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the word has not been made real or revealed to you in that area. I can have faith all day to pray for Pastor Tony to be healed and believe that he can be healed. But then I stand there with, by his stripes, I am healed. Every day I'm taking my meds. Every day I'm kind of decaying in different ways. And you kind of go like that. Yeah, God can heal. But let me pray for Pastor Tony again. The word never came to me. And when I see that the word comes to me, and that expression of what he wants is inwards and outwards, life just got both scary and exciting all at the same time. Amazing. Pastor Peter, when he was here on Agents of Change, he stood one morning, I was sat over there, and he said, by the way, Phil, I believe that what God's going to start opening to you, and he started bringing us the word. And he just said, by the way, 
failing businesses are going to come to you and going to ask for your advice. Has anybody asked you for that advice? No. <laughs> I only know my name because it's tattooed on my arm. I don't know. I haven't got anything. That very same week, we sat in a meeting and a guy turned around and said, for some reason, you're smarter than me. What can you tell us that will save our business? Suddenly, things get exciting. Suddenly, things get exciting. But you do realize he's great hope, don't you? Because what I've done is I've been reading this thing called God's Word, and I've realized there's an awful lot of people in it like me. Six foot tall. There's lots of people in it like me who mess up, who fall over, who need telling 14 times who still came through because when God believed you and backed you, he said, I'll keep pushing you till you get over the finishing line. I love the story of Joseph. And God had to show me over a couple of years how he go, yeah, Angie and I would have this thing where we stand prophetically, God, this is what you said about being a Joseph and areas of business and different things. That's private. All of these different bits that we're talking to, and then you're going like that, oh, God, yes, you've said Joseph, and you've said this, and you've said that. Five years, I'm making all these declarations, and then I have one of these. Oh, dipstick, it's me. What about this? And what I did was I had a savory moment. I'm choosing this part of what God said, and I ignored all the other bit. And when I ignored the other then there was delay. There was no alignment. There was frustration. There was seemed to be obstacle after obstacle of always saying, one day, Ange, we laugh. We always laugh. Well, normally, we laugh. Because <laughs> either you're going to do laugh or you're going to cry. And we'll have that kind of Del Boy thing. This time next year, Rodney, we'll be millionaires. <laughs> Phil, can we have some Christmas presents this year? No, you can't. But this time next year, Rodney will be millionaires. You know you're in that element, but now we've got something else because I'm getting smarter. And you'll be able to tell you as soon as I said it. What's going on, Phil? I'll let you know when I know. But the thing that's changing on the inside of us is that when God brings that word to you, you already know. What we've not seen is the fulfillment, but the word has come. Now, Pastor Tony very eloquently covered it a few weeks ago when he went through the process of all Scripture is useful. We don't need to go in the rest. Let's just leave it at that minimal statement. All Scripture is useful. End it there. I don't need the correction in righteousness, rebuking. I don't need all of that. All I need is... Every time God speaks, it's useful. Every time God says something to me, it's because he wants to do something in me. But this is the process of saying savory, sweet tooth, no tooth, and vegan. Whatever you've got, when God brings the word and he drops it into the dream center, am I set up? Am I aligned to say that word is speaking to me today? Or does God keep speaking to the dream center? 
Oh, God said a great thing in church today. Where was your portion? Because if it's always our portion, then I never draw down on it. I never have the ability to see it become a reality in my own life because I'm always looking somewhere else. Each one of us needs to develop and work on that ability to align ourselves to the word of God, remembering that when faith comes, faith is never given you to get. Oh, if you have more faith, you can have that house. If you have more faith, you'll get a new car. If you have more faith, you can have this. Faith is never used to get. Read Hebrews 12. By faith they understood how the world was created. By faith they understood how to make the right sacrifice. By faith they, by faith they understand the nature and character of God. So when we keep saying, God, I need more faith, the more faith means I need to understand you and be able to trust you more. Faith is never to get. Faith is to understand where he comes from. In Isaiah 55, we already quoted it. My word that I send from my mouth will never ever return to me empty or void, but will accomplish the task for which I have purposed it. When God speaks a word, he has an agenda behind it. You know, God's not sat in heaven today going, I'm bored. What's on Sky? What's on Sky One? I've been through the box sets. There's nothing left to see. What shall I do? I'll mess with Mel's life today. It's not frivolous. When God speaks and reveals his word and he speaks his word from heaven directly into your life, it's because he has an agenda to see a purpose fulfilled. But when I don't partner with him, I delay it, I frustrate myself. I don't frustrate God because God's go, my word will accomplish what I set it out to do. I don't know if you've noticed, there's not a caveat in there. There's not a small, small print. There is not an asterisk at the side of that verse that says, please see terms and conditions, page three, paragraph two, that says, apart from calf. There is no small print. When he says, I send out my word and it will accomplish what I set it out to do, that when God wants to move in a family, when God wants to move in a city, when he wants to move and do anything, he'll turn around and say, right, Mel, I brought you the word. If you don't listen, I'm still going to do it. Do you know what? Just to spite you, I'm going to use scumbag Veronica now, and it's your own fault. I remember Pastor Tony telling us the story. I'd heard the story myself, but I was reminded years ago when Pastor Tony used it. Reinhard Bonnke, the great German evangelist who worked right through Africa, now is in America, isn't he, if I remember rightly, was really moving in the, in the signs and wonders. There is, you could used to get, was it Christ for All Nations? Yeah. Christ for All Nations is where he came from. And we used to get the newsletter through. And we used to have posters upstairs, didn't we, in the flat before we made it the crash area. And you would have a poster on the wall of 250 to 300,000 people turning up to hear the word of God. And it'd be go, and there was 178 blind people who saw. There was this, there was that. And one day, he kind of puffs out his chest. Goes, God, just look what we've achieved working together, partnering with you. And he was very honest to be able to say, and God had that word in the non-small talk and said, that's good. 
But you were my, was it third or fourth choice? You were my third choice. Why? Because I first came to David, and David said, stuff you, I don't like Africa. Then I came over to Chris, and he went, I don't like the heat. Then we came over, the third one. His word, when it's sent out, and he went to touch a nation, will still be touched. But if it's not by you, it'll be by somebody else. His word will not return to him empty and void. But that issue is, when it comes to me, will I give it any weight of expectancy? Because now we're going to get to where the rubber meets the road. Is that all right? So let's build a bit more. God reveals his word. So when God reveals his word, let's just see what scripture says, and we get a couple of illustrations how God reveals his word. We won't turn to scriptures just because of the time. But we know the story of Abraham and Sarah. He turns around and says, by your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And what does he say? It's not that you know God. I thought you're the one who knows everything. But it's me and her. There's not an awful lot. So how can from me and her and not an awful lot else anything happen? Will all the nations of the world be blessed when it's me and her and we have no seed? And the promise comes to him. He's already old. And the scripture said, and Sarah was beyond childbearing age. So she's clocking on a bit. Sorry, ladies. She's clocking on a bit. She's beyond the promise. And that word came, and what was Sarah's response? And Sarah laughed. You're having a laugh. Yeah? But what does the scripture say about Abraham? And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Two of them, one went, I'm in. The other one went, <laughs> hey, there's a reason we've got single beds, fella. You're over there. There is no promise coming this way. One response was yes. The other response was, come on, God. Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist. It tells you that him and his wife, and he was faithful to the Lord in the temple, but he had no son. And he prayed to the Lord for a seed. And the angel Gabriel appears to him and says, Chris, you're clocking on a bit, fella. You're carrying a bit of timber these days. But... You will have a son. How can this be? For I am old. Because this is where, when I say there's hope for all of us, want to see how people react. Do you know like when they've got the all-night prayer meeting going and Peter's in prison? And then God answers the, answers the prayer and Peter gets out and he runs to the door, knocks on the door, they open the door. It's Peter. She shuts the door, runs back, leaves Peter standing there. Like the clean, easy man. He's still stuck at a leafy catalogue. Shuts the door. Runs in. Peter's there. They're all praying. What was their response? You're having a laugh. We're praying for it, but we don't even believe it's going to happen. Just response. So Zachariah, the word comes. He's praying. Lord, give me a son. Give me a son. An angel appears. Gabriel. It's me, Gabriel. The big one with wings. This is it. I'm only out at Christmas. Comes out. Makes the declaration. And he goes, it can't. I'm old. Right, be quiet. And he's made dumb until the moment he comes to have to name his son. Your response to the word, it's amazing how God deals with things in different areas. But this is where all of this kind of build-up has been really for one thing this morning. I want to be able to show you something. Of This is where I believe elements of the Dream Center are today. 2 Kings 4. 
verse 8 to 17. I'll just quote it for you. It's the story of the Shunammite woman. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. What was she? Well-to-do. So she's not, she's not on benefits, is she? She's well-to-do, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp, Sky TV, and one of them little kettles with tea and coffee in the side for him for when he comes. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. And one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he lay down there and he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and, he, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, sorry, tell her, you have gone uh, to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the command, commander of the army? She replied, I have a home amongst my people. What can you do for her? Elisha asked Gehazi, said, she has no son and her husband is old. So she's a well-to-do woman. She's got place in the community. She's got stature. She's got a husband. She's not on her own. She's got all, everything sorted out. But what's she not got? She's not got a son. Her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. At this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold the son in your arms. What was her response? No, my Lord, she said. Please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had said. No, my Lord, was her response. Don't mislead me. This is the word that I felt when I was preparing for this week. Do not get my hopes up. God, when you speak, it's all right, but don't get me hopes up. God, you're speaking again, but don't get me hopes up. You know, for most of us, if we're honest, we can live with hurt, frustration, disappointment, but we can't um, work when our hopes are dashed. When I'm disappointed in that area and my hopes are up, I'm not willing to stick my neck out. I've done it before and it backfired. Is there anybody alive in here? Have we not been through this place where you're going, God, I dared to believe you and there was no end result? Four of us. Do you know what it tells you this? You can live on average maximum five days without water. There are cases when people have gone slightly longer, but for those average of us beating down the sunny Drolsden, five days, you can probably go a month without food, but you realize you can't go 10 minutes without hope. And God brings that word, and he brings it into the dream center and says, I have said and I have made a declaration that I am bringing one from here, two from here, to meet the needs inside of here. And then the word comes, great, but don't get my hopes up. I've learned to live with my own condition. I've learned to live with being, do you know what? I don't need me a cat Tuesday because he's only me going to the cinema. I need to get 
a meal for one. I don't need something bigger. I've learned to live life in a different way that has now embraced the moment that I'm in. And you said, God, my situation can change. But when it does, don't get me hopes up. Because God, when you said you will bring, that's for Chris. When you said he'll bring, it's for Mary. When you said God will bring, it's always somebody else and not you. Because you've not aligned yourself to the word. Because you don't get to the place of actually believing what he said is for you. I'll just let the tumbleweed go by. That word, because we don't align ourselves on a daily basis that says, man shall not live by bread alone. I have no history of walking with him where he actually turns around and goes, you know what? I can believe what he said because he delivers on a promise. You, come on, let's get technical for a minute. You and I, we go online, Amazon, I'm in there. It's going to be delivered with inside 24 hours, 13 minutes. Here's your tracking number. And I go online and go, I can trust Amazon in the world that I don't see. And this will be here in 24 minutes, 7 seconds, 13, because I've got a tracking number. But yet, God turns around and says, David, I'm coming to you. I go, God, you didn't give me a tracking number. If you didn't give me a tracking number, how can I go on my iPad and actually find out where you're coming from? We don't have a history of God coming through for us. God is coming through every day. But is he coming through for you? But then we ask ourselves a question. If he's not coming through, then the statement we made before, any word that's released is for the dream center. I'm never placing a demand. Are you going to get to the place where God and you can have an agreement that says, God, I'm going to stay faithful here. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to seek your face and you're going to deliver on your promise. Why? Because you will find me faithful doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to just push the envelope a little bit. Elisha is lying there in the upper deck in a village saying, what can we do for calf? Do you think that when God sees you, he's not there and going, what can heaven do to move for Veronica today? Because this is my daughter, bought and paid for. Remember, you're more important than all of creation. He's going to go, do you know what? Let's just leave Chris miserable. Leave him miserable for a bit. God's intention and his desire to pour out from heaven is everything you need for life and godliness. The God bit's over here, but he also understands I have life bits that I need. So God says, I'm going to help meet your life bit and the God bit. Will you trust me? Well, I thank you, God, that you're going to meet the needs of Eric. Because Eric's a nice guy, he's a righteous guy, I've seen him. He's prayed twice and he does that on a Wednesday. But for me, God, I don't think you can come through. I don't believe him when he's revealed the word. Because I've got faith for everybody else, but I haven't got it for me. But do you know what I said about being hope? There's a story of the man who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my daughter is unwell. Can you, can you, Heal her. I can do anything if you only believe. And the response was, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Just letting you know, God, I'm a bit double-minded in this. You might be able to do it. You might not be able to do it. But what I'm doing is I'm willing to take you at your word that if you say it, when I go home, she's going to be the pain in the backside she was two days ago before she got ill. 
you know, we've had kids. She's going to be jumping on the sofa, messing about, spilling drinks on the new carpet. It'll be all going on, but I'm willing to live with that because she's healed. So what was the point? If you believe, then I can do it. I believe, but help me overcome what I don't believe. And I think if we're all honest this morning, it's where we sit. Only you know and I know at any one time as God works in our lives how much more I believe this bit than you better convince me on that bit. And you know as you build a history of finding him and seeing that he comes through on his word, this unbelief bit starts to shrink and the more the belief bit starts to be made a reality. But that process is worked out in me because he didn't change. What he says, he will accomplish. The promises of God are yes and amen. Everything is yes in him. I'm the stumbling block. Only believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God has no problem at you unbelieving. If you're willing to make the journey towards belief. And how does he do that? And God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Yeah, pick it up, put it down. I only need every day with Jesus. Come on. As I pursue him and find him in the word, faith starts to be activated. And as it's activated, it starts. Do you know what I found? It starts with, I can get a word for somebody else. Because it's easy having a word for Dave. Dave, I'm kind of nervous, but I believe this is for you. Carry on doing this and it'll be fine. It's not come to me yet. But when I see Dave start to work it out, you know, I start to get a bit more, hey, it might be all right. That I might even risk it on myself. Because you know what we do in church? We have spiritual lab rats. Do you know the whole thing about a spiritual lab rat? I'm willing to trust what I've got on Chris. So I'll risk it and I'll experiment on Chris for a bit. And if there's any good results, I might do the old, well, I'll stick it in my own arm now. But let's see if there's any negative reaction by giving it Chris. So I give it Chris and then I watch from afar to see if he falls over. Oh, he's not fell over. Is he contagious in any way? Oh, he doesn't seem to be contagious. Well, maybe it's worth having a bit of a... And I'll get a bit closer to him, and the mask comes off. But we always want to see it work in somebody else before we see it in us. Is that not right? And God's word is coming out and coming out and coming out. But I believe this wholeheartedly, that what has happened to so many people is that either because we've never fully developed or because we've had an element of being let down or frustrated, we've never made that journey into where he is, where I can believe him for what he says for me. So it's always living out there somewhere. It's always in the great beyond. Do you know what it says? This is scripture, I just love it. Love it so much in Proverbs 13, 12. We all know it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What's the second part of the verse? Do you know why? Because we all line ourselves up to having deferred hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm cheesed off because I didn't get the hope. But part two of that verse is this. But when desire comes, it is to you the tree of life. Well, that one rest a minute. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
But when it comes, it is to you the tree of life. God turns around and says, I bring to you the word of hope. I bring the word of life. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. He's not looking to frustrate. He's not looking to disappoint. He's bringing us in line with his word. And when his word is fulfilled in you, it is to you the tree of life. Do you realize that you do not have to be in the Garden of Eden to continually draw from the tree of life? Oh, I've not thought about that one, Phil. Think about it. Let it mess with your head over the week. You've looked through Scripture. I think there's three or four references that says, and this to you is a tree of life. So God says, I've removed it from the earth, but I leave things in place that man every day can still draw from the tree. Thank you for your underwhelming response. Question, because I asked me. So if I ask me, I'm now asking you. Do I believe to see, or do I see to believe? Do we believe to see? Which means when God says his word, let's get to one of the old Smith Wigglesworth quotes. God says it, I believed it, that settled it. It's great when you mature. It's a silly statement when you're just starting out when you're just trying to get off the runway, because nothing's been formed in your life. But when God says it, and it's settled within me, I am not the one who has to fulfill it. God, I take you at your word. And at taking you at your word, God, I'm now building a history where you come through, and my hope is not deferred, but it is a tree of life. You know, there's two battles that rage in you and I Continually. And they're polar opposites. I'm in, I'm out. I'll keep it as simple as that. In and out. Okey-cokey, all day long, isn't it? I'm with you, God. I'm not, I'm not too sure, God. I'm with you, God. Well, no, try and convince me, God. And we kind of polar opposite swing from one side to the other. We're desperate for God to do something. And it's at that time of desperation, often that will only take and pursue him for his word. Do you know in everyday life, when things are going okay, when you haven't got any problems paying your bills, when you're not at the doctor's every week because something's falling off, when everything's all right with her indoors or him indoors, when your boss isn't on your back, can I be really honest about it, in our Christian lives, there's not an awful lot of need to pursue God about. That's how we kind of become. Life's all right. I don't really need him. It's amazing how quick I want to pursue him when the wheels start falling off. All right, it's only me. It's amazing how I can be carried in prayer when something goes, and tomorrow you're going to die. Well, I better, I better pray. I better clear me act up. You've just got this. The world's ending tomorrow. That that contract's falling over, or the company's closing down. It's amazing when pressed, I can pursue him. But when everything's hunky-dory and Will's skipping along, I'm getting by on my fridge magnet. I'm getting by on every day with Jesus. I'm getting by on all of those words that are just put out. So let me ask you a basic question. It's the easiest way for me that I felt I could illustrate this. 
Put your hand up, soppy or not soppy. Put your hand up if you've ever been in love. And I still am. Scuff of Veronica over there. Right. So I'd like to think the majority of us, if not everybody, has experienced love. But I said to you, um, Dave, why don't you just express to me, stand here and put into words how you feel about being in love. And I'm on one foot, on the other foot. Well, it's kind of like, um, and you know, on Wednesday, and remember that time when Olegulli Solskjaer scored that goal in the last minute, and that kind of feeling you had, and, and it was an Aguera moment, and that kind of, something happened on the end. Do you know that you don't feel like you have words? But when that word of God comes and hits you, it's a little bit like that expression of being in love. I love it, and he was a, I have to give him credit for it. He was the first person who said it. He calls it a mere clerk moment. I call it a mere cat moment. That when something's said, suddenly you go. You can be in a house, be around, be on your own, and God says something, suddenly it has your attention. And white noise is going on everywhere apart from that one word. And that one word has suddenly got you hook, line, and sinker. When he walked in, when she walked in, and you had that moment, is like that word when God brings it to you. But in like, you know, you can trade him in, get another one. That word when it comes to you, if you give it room, and you work with it, when you nurture it, when you give it the value that it's got, it will hold you. It will sustain you. It will keep you. And you go, what is the outworking of that? The outworking is you can walk with a confidence. There's an assurance. There's a peace in a situation. So you might know, not know anything that's going on in my life. And you can be talking completely contrary to what God has said. But there is something that sits inside of here where I know. This is in the bank and I am not moving from this place. I refuse to move. I refuse to be shifted by circumstances. I refuse to be shifted by your opinion and your philosophy. I don't care when somebody says, Phil, I'd just like to tell you, as Chris has a conversation with me, sorry, Chris, two-sided. Chris goes, Phil, I just want to let you know, you're a dipstick. Fine, but I'm not moving from this. Because when God says it, he's going to deliver. And that thing starts to build up on the inside of us. But this is where I partner with it. Not only do I say to him, yes, and help me in this process, the bits I don't understand or don't believe. My God, I'm willing to believe you, to put my hope in you, to allow the plaster to come off, to expose the bit on the inside where I'm now fragile I'm now at a place where I'm vulnerable, God, that says, my God, you can come through for me. I will not be like the Shunammite woman that says, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. And about that time, a year later, she was stood with a child in her arms. Will you be the one, will you be the two, will you be the, the company of people that when God speaks and you lay hold of his word, He's talking to you, and you've got the fruit on the tree. Because I just need to tell you one thing. God only needs to do it once in your life. 
and it's become the home banker. I only need one expression where God came through on his word for me that all he needs to say is, okay, Veronica, we'll brush the cobwebs off there a little bit. I'm coming to you here again. God, I've recognized this. I recognize your voice. I recognize this is not the voice of my own imagination. Do you know what? All of us can live in church life with wishful thinking. So the wishful thinking is, we misread God's word. I take it and make promises that are not promises. And then I try and shove God's arm up his back. But when God says this is it, it's it. Our own life experiences and walk dictate how quick we get on board or if we get on board at all. Because I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I've been frustrated. I believe this myself. I kind of risked it. I thought that if I did something, it was going to change everything. It all works around, doesn't it? What's birthed in the spirit must be maintained and finished in the spirit. I learned to take his word that came to me. So if it's the ones, and so when he's speaking about one from here, two from there, I take that word and I start to sew it back. So like we did with the north, south, east, and west, we start to declare, my God, you have said in the dream center, in this house, you are going to bring one, you're going to bring two. Now remember, this word isn't just for if you're single. This was words of God. You will call people from a tribe that will strengthen this house. You will call people that will come here to be our students in our school. Thank you, Veronica. God said, will you partner with me with that word? Or do we need Google AdWords? Do we need a Facebook campaign? Because God said, when you partner with me and you start to sew it back, I hear my own word. I take it, write it down. I take it, declare. I put angels on assignment to bring the people that we need. But will I find you in place? You've got to make room for it. Gestation periods, again, scientific again. Good job we have Google. Gestation period of a mouse, 21 days. Gestation period of an elephant, two years. Some things God speaks, and it seems to be instantly the answer's there. Others, I align myself to, though it lingers, I will wait for it, for it will surely come. It will surely come. I lay hold of him. Pastor Tony used a term again last week. The term he used was this, was in season and out season. When God speaks a word, it is always in season. You're the one out of season. He always speaks in season. And when God gives his word to the man in the house, to the person who's declaring whatever it is, a prophetic utterance, as we declare it, we sow it and we sow it and we sow it. We prepare a highway. We remove the obstacles. We remove the stumbling blocks. We say there is a highway for God's word to come to you today. And in that word, he will not disappoint. He will not frustrate. But he will deliver on the promises that he's made. He will deliver on the promises he's made. I can take his word to the bank. I can stand. But the first person I have to overcome is me. Is me that says, God, you're not going to come through for me. You're going to come through for John. Because you like John more than you live me, than you love me. And is that true? Oh, of course he's not. Of course he loves me more than he loves John. <laughs> Let's just conclude. We used the term before, the way you treat the word is the way the word will treat you. 
if I give no value to it, if I give no weight to it, if I'm not willing to back it with what I am, then guess what? The word is nothing. Leave it on the shelf. Leave it in every day. Leave it on your fridge magnet. It won't change anything. But when I am willing to partner and I understand that all he needs to say is the word and how I respond to it will be if it breaks through or not break through in my life. But if it doesn't break through in you, it'll break through in somebody else. And then don't get all frustrated. Because remember, we've, we've used this again, just have a quick scan. We're not French. We are not French. The guys in our group know what we're talking about. Where the culture in France is, we want, somebody's got a lead, but it can't be you. I'm not going to lead, but you're not leading either. So nothing ever gets done. And I, I blame God and get frustrated with him that, why did you come through for Chris? And I get annoyed at God because he came through for Chris because I wouldn't walk with him. I wouldn't take him at his word. I wouldn't push, but I'm cheesed off that he came through for Chris. Word of warning, and on this word of warning, we finish because we can add to this as we go along. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because you know when we all want something? We all want something and we're pushing together. Am I going to celebrate with Kath when she gets it and I've not got mine yet? (laughs) Yeah, we all know the answer to that one, don't we? I think the answer is no. The truth is I have to guard my heart that when Kath's believing and I'm believing and David's believing and Tony's believing and we're believing for the same thing. I should be celebrating with Kath that God's come through with her in that area. Right, God, if you can do it for her, you're doing it for me. Very quick illustration. I was watching a film the other week. It was the one where the earth's going to be destroyed by the, satir- by the, by the big meteor that was coming down and uh, Frodo was in it. Armageddon. Is it Armageddon? Which one? No, not Armageddon, the other one. Deep Impacts. There it is. Fro- uh, Frogan, Morgan Freeman. I'm good at these names. They, they roll off the tongue. <laughs> Morgan Freeman was in it. But yet, they turn around and say, there's going to be a lottery. And the lottery is, we're going to pull certain names out and numbers by your uh, social security. And their people are going to be saved and go into the ark. And they're there watching it. And the phone rings. And the family pick it up and go, it's us. We're in. And the other family get up. They get up and go, where are you going? Our phone might be ringing. It wasn't you. Bunch of scuffers. The expectation was, if your phone can ring, my phone can ring. If God can heal you, he can heal me. If God can come through for you in that area, if he can come through for you, he can come through for me. But I have to align myself and get past that place of saying, God, don't get my hopes up. I want to go every day and say, my God, get me hopes up. God, push me bigger than I have ever been before. I see things that I've never seen before. God, I'm willing to not only get my hopes up, to stick my spiritual neck on the block and say, my God, you are the God who comes through. Will this be a house that builds a group and company of people that can actually stand and say, God came through for me? And when you look, you're going, has anybody got a testimony where God came through? Oh, Billy's in the crash. Get Billy out of the crash. Where we're queuing up to go, God came through, and God came through, and God came through, and God came through. 
every day because we believed him at his word, not just for I'm a single, not just for who's coming into the school or not to the school, but when God reveals his word like this morning, and it is well with my soul, God, it's well with my soul. I'm not looking at my watch of how quick can I get a panini. But when the word comes, it hits me, he trains me, he builds me, and I walk with him. But God does not use small talk. When he speaks, every word has a purpose and a destiny. His arrow that he fires will hit the mark. But if he can't use you, he'll use somebody else. But his word will never, ever return to him empty or void. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we just pray right now, Father, that as your word goes forth, that, Lord, first, initially I speak with my own life, and I say, Lord, forgive us when we become flippant with your word. When your word has come to us, Lord God, and it's been almost like pearl before swine. But, God, I pray this morning that, Lord, we're coming into a season of revelation, of understanding, that, Lord, Holy Ghost, reveal your word to us more and more. Open our eyes. Cause us to see. Draw us into the depth of your word. Cause us to be a people, Lord God, who can move in that faith as we understand you and know you greater. That, Lord God, I pray if we've made that declaration in our own heart, Father, that says don't get our hopes up. Lord God, Father, we say today, we reverse it. Lord God, we make that declaration that says, my God, I believe that you can come through to me today. My God, you can come through. Lord God, I pray start process, work in me. But Lord God, also by the Holy Ghost, help us overcome those areas of unbelief. Help us as in those areas of struggle. Help us in those areas, Lord God, where I thought it can't be me. It must be somebody else. Lord God, you are the God who is faithful and true. In you, there is no shadow of turning or variableness. You're the God who comes through for us. And Lord God, we align ourselves as a company and we thank you in advance for the one from here, for the two from there, from one from a clan, from two from a nation. That Lord God, we sow that word back into the spirit. As we've seen before, we take it to the bank and we thank you, Lord, for the greater strength for the men, the women. Lord God, it's going to come to this house of every tribe and nation. Lord God, who will build with us, who will strengthen with us, who will partner with us, Lord God. Who will have relationship with us, Lord God. Who will partner in destiny. Lord God, Father, that is our heart's desire this morning. Lord God, but make your word living and active on the inside of us. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.